and welcome to Papaholics, the show where a dad and daughter discuss pop culture over a drink. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. And I am drinking coffee with uh, flavoring in it, actually caramel flavoring. Caramel flavoring. Um, flavoring. I have one sip of my coffee left and it, I just have heavy cream in it <laughs> and water. So, Kate, what uh, pop culture have you been consuming? Let's see. I'll go ahead and start with a book that I finished. I recently read The Last Collection by Jean Mackin, I think is how you say her name. Picture this. Paris, 1938. A young American woman finds herself entangled in the intense rivalry between fashion designers Coco Chanel and Elsa uh, Schiaparelli. I looked up how to pronounce that before we started. And then, of course, Paris, 1938. This is right before the Nazis uh, invade. So... It is historical fiction. Um, I don't know if there was a real woman involved in this rivalry, but I learned a lot about Chanel and Schiaparelli. They had very different childhoods and upbringings. Their political leanings, their businesses, it all is like very, they they can't see me doing the hand motions. Uh, it was intense and very good. And then you have that like, ever-present. Germany's coming. We just don't know when. And so everything is like heightened. It was really good. So what was the most interesting thing you learned? About, let's see. Well, I knew Chanel basically grew up an orphan. And so that uh, she was raised in a a convent. um, And that in earlier designs, not, not Chanel now in 2022, but in her earlier designs, you could see like the simplicity, just like black, white, beige, nothing fancy. I think someone could argue like that her being around, you know, nuns and all of their accoutrement <laughs> influenced, influenced all of that. I'm like, I don't know the technical terms of the, the, uh, it's not a costume, the uniform, whereas Schiaparelli came from money, grew up in money. She was very whimsical The even the designs for the house now are gorgeous, but a lot more, a lot more fanciful. And so that like, I think it's really interesting and people get, cause everyone expresses themselves through clothing. Kate, as she yeah. said, this is wearing a t-shirt that says a woman's <laughs> place is on top and has a, like, it has a, a snake, snake on it. ready to bite. Um, listen, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> it's a very comfy shirt too. Yeah. Everybody expresses themselves through clothes and designers. Well, from not everybody believes this, but for me, fashion is like, it's not just, you know, a pretty outfit. Like there are, there's messaging involved. Like you said, with my t-shirts, Chanel in the book, Chanel thinks that Schiaparelli is just like too dreamy to, I don't know if untethered is the right word. Whereas like Chanel is, is chic and for the modern woman and we don't need to be all trussed up and like looking crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas Schiaparelli is like, well, Chanel's clothing is boring and it doesn't say anything. And, you know, clothes can send a message and also be fun. And so I think they both were very proud women too. Because of course in Paris, like the, with the couture houses, you want to be the, the couture designer that everybody goes to. So. So the name of that book was? It's The Last Collection by Jean Mackin. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to talk about a streaming option, Planet Prehistoric. Uh, there are five episodes on Apple TV. Imagine, imagine watching a BBC nature documentary like Planet Earth mm-hmm. with Sir David Attenborough as the narrator, but with dinosaurs of the late Cretaceous period. This is Planet Prehistoric, an amazing series that pairs the BBC Studios Natural History Unit with American executive producer John Favreau of, Favreau. Him too, of <laughs> Marvel and Mandalorian fame. So obviously they tapped into his CGI expertise. The show uses the fossil record, and whenever the people making the show aren't sure, they look for clues and similar animals in the dinosaur's lineage. I would also say animal, animal behavior patterns that we know from today's world. Yeah. So it's it's really crazy. You're watching like these duck-billed dinosaurs trudging across the desert in search of water. You're seeing these giant long-necked sauropods having a wrestling match to impress females. And then all of the life in the sea. Uh, I've read that the filmmakers went to... Existing landscapes that remember those of the Cretaceous period, mm-hmm. and then used life-size cardboard cutouts and 3D printed puppets oh, to see well. how the dinosaurs would fit in this landscape, and then later, you know, use CGI to put them in there. And the result with Edinburgh's vivid narration mm-hmm. is so strikingly real that sometimes you have to remind yourself they didn't actually film dinosaurs. This is all computer generated. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's really good. Um, our nephew Carr uh, and also my friend Bob uh, turned us on to the show. So it's Planet Prehistoric, Apple TV. Yeah. Resident kid expert heard you say, what is it called? Planet Prehistoric. Planet and Prehistoric. he like ran in from the other room and was doing a little dance like, yes, it's good. It's good. You know, um, we're watching it yesterday. Too. <laughs> so so if you're like wondering if it's good for your kids, too, it, it is. Resident kid ex- expert agrees. He's giving the thumbs up. (laughs) My streaming options are pretty serious compared to, not that um, dinosaurs aren't serious, but (laughs) mine are... um, life and death. It was life and death. It was. It always is. So my first streaming pick is Operation Mincemeat, which is uh, a film on Netflix starring Colin Firth, Matthew, I hope I don't say his name wrong, McFadden, McFadden, and Kelly McDonald. This is a World War II set spy drama based on Ben McIntyre's book of the same name. And the film tells the story of a real, I love these words, tactical deception. And then I wrote in my notes, see Wikipedia. So <laughs> give me one second, because I want to make sure I get this right. Okay. According to Wikipedia, Operation Mincemeat was a successful British deception operation in the Second World War to disguise the 1943 Allied invasion of Sicily. The Allies are like, okay, Germany knows that we're going to try to, that the logical thing for us to do is to invade Greece and get our forces in through there, but they know that it's coming, so we can't do that. So what are we going to do? Then... They, this is, it's going to get weird. These two officers that came up with this uh, deception, they obtained the body of Glendweir Michael, a an unhoused individual who died from eating rat poison. They dressed him as an officer of the Royal Marines, came up with this whole backstory. He's got a sweetheart. There's her photo. He's carrying these, um, you know, top secret documents with him. And then they 
dropped the body into the sea and just hoped that it would end up in the right place so that um, Spain, who was neutral, would find it, um, quote unquote, neutral and give the documents to Germany so that they could do a little switcheroo like, oh, these documents say that the allies are going to come through, that they are going to come through Greece and Sardinia and but actually, the Allied forces invaded through Sicily, and it worked. That level of thinking, and also um, Sir Ian Fleming, who created Bond, right? He was involved in this whole tactical deception. It was really interesting. I, can I say there's a lot of heart involved when they, they're coming up with this? <laughs> I think he's a corpse. Yeah, they're... Um, <laughs> When they're coming up with the the backstory of who this guy is, because they know that Germany's going to like look into it um, and try to figure out is this a trick or is it real, and so that level of like detail of like oh he's got a sweetheart at home here's her picture here's a letter he has an engagement ring in his pocket like that kind of thing is that's I cannot imagine thinking that many steps ahead yeah. if that makes sense. Well, you sort of wonder about the Germans because I remember there was also a deal where people built, um, we built fake wooden tanks to make them think that we had more, more forces than we actually did. Yeah. And they bought that. Yeah. Wild. So I do, yeah, Operation Mincemeat on Netflix. Uh, and I just, as I was typing the names out, I just realized both Mr. Darcy's, the original Mr. Darcy, Colin Firth, and the 2005 Mr. Darcy, my my Mr. Darcy, Matthew McFadden. They're both in this movie together. Oh, Mr. Darcy. He's Darcy. So <laughs> he is dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like British. Um, there's something about England. There, everybody's in everything together. Like there's a very sm- like small group of people that are just like... <laughs> doing hand motions again. They're just all they're just all working on the same stuff. And well, so speaking of British actors, yeah. Uh, he's actually Scottish, Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. Uh we're gonna talk now about Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is a limited series on Disney Plus. This begins ten years after the events of Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, which was one of the uh prequels, prequels. which uh the original Star Wars fans like me hated. Right. But then I've read that a lot of kids grew up. That was their Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I guess it. Yeah. <laughs> so you and McGregor stars as, as you know, the Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, as the show begins, he's hiding in the desert. On Tantooine, keeping an eye on Luke Skywalker, young Luke Skywalker, and tormenting himself with memories of how his Padawan, Anakin Skywalker, right. turned to the dark side and became Darth Vader. Yeah. Then, young Leah Organa is kidnapped, and Obi-Wan is reluctantly forced into action to save her. McGregor is great in this role, and he was in the Star Wars prequels, too. But there, George Lucas let the evolving filmmaking technology have mastery over story, which made it disappointing viewing for people like me who love the original three movies. Here, showrunner Deborah Chow, uh, probably best known for The Mandalorian, okay. uh, keeps the emphasis firmly on story. One of the things I liked best was this show's emphasis on Leah rather than Luke 
And in this instance, a very young Leah, every bit as spunky and adventurous and argumentative as her grown-up self. Perfectly cast. Obi-Wan's quest to save her is complicated by Reva, played by Moses Ingram, one of the Grand Inquisitors who serves, wait for it, Darth Vader. Hmm. So it's a great TV. If you if you like the uh, Mandalorian, you'll like it. If you like Star Wars, you know, A New Hope, I think, was the original movie. Um, yeah. You'll like this movie. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, Disney Plus. Cool. Well, my last thing to talk about is kind of a bummer, <laughs> but it's good, great TV. So I've been watching Under the Banner of Heaven, which is an FX show on Hulu. Um, Hulu. Hulu. It stars uh, Andrew Garfield as Detective Jeb Pyrie and Gil Birmingham as Detective Bill Taba, who are investigating the brutal murders of a Latter-day Saints woman and her baby daughter in Salt Lake Valley, Utah. Um, this is based on a true crime that happened in 1984, I think. If you're into true crime, you might have already heard of the Lafferty Brothers. It's messed up. <laughs> it's really messed up, but I don't want to give anything away. Daisy Edgar Jones, Sam Worthington from Avatar. He's been in a ton of other stuff since then, but that's I think that's how most people know him. Uh, and Wyatt Russell, son of... Kurt and Goldie. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, they also star. It's it's intense. So if you're not into true crime, probably skip it. But it's very, very well acted, very well shot. I'm learning a lot about how I don't want to I don't want to say I'm learning a lot about the Mormon church. I'm learning a lot about the history of how Mormonism came to be in America and the difference between fundamentalist Mormon and Latter-day Saints and religious extremism, yeah, we'll say. Is that how they're different? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not done with the series, so I don't want to, I don't want to act like I know everything, but I think it's a really good, I think the show is not, I don't think that the show is an argument against Mormonism. I think it's, in so much as I can tell, it's doing a, a good job of just the theme being like extremism in anything is not really, um, especially religious extremism is like, uh, like we could probably do better, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially when there are individuals, because of course there are going to be individuals that take things too far um, and hurt people. Just something to, some to think about. But yeah, it, it's very intense, so I would not recommend it if you are looking for something light. <laughs> oh, so I was looking up Sam Worthington. Yeah. Because I thought, Sam Worthington, isn't he the person that's in that goofy movie with Anna Kendrick? But no, it's actually Sam Rockwell. It's a crazy movie called Mr. Right. Doesn't and he play an assassin in that? Yeah, the yeah. deal is that uh, Anna Kendrick's character... Um, finds out her new uh, boyfriend, mm -hmm. Sam Rockwell, is a professional assassin who kills the people who hire him instead of the intended targets. Whoops. <laughs> and so it's a it's a goofy uh, black comedy. You have to I think you have to kind of be in the right mood to right. watch it. But speaking of things that are dark, <laughs> so Stranger Things uh, is back on Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, new episodes after three years. Three years ago was the last time we saw new Stranger Thing episodes. Yeah. 
Okay. And so the young kids have all kind of grown up. Right. All right. Uh, Eleven has lost her powers. Uh, Max is still struggling with the death of her brother. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike, Dustin, and Lucas are just trying to get through high school. Some by embracing their nerdiness. Some by rebelling against their nerdiness. Okay. And uh, Joyce, uh, of course, played by Winona Ryder, has moved away from Indiana, but she's getting mysterious hints. So I have never, not once, seen an episode of Stranger Things. So, sorry. I just was like, wait, is that his name? <laughs> well, okay. I would tell you if, you, if you did go on a jag and decide that you wanted to watch Stranger Things. Yeah. I, I would watch definitely watch the first season. Right. Probably the best season. Um, this season, I've only seen one episode so far. Yeah. But the show is far more intense and scary. Like, American Horror Story level scary. Oh. Uh, and... I, I'm not entirely sure it's a good thing. And that's hard for me to say as a horror guy. Yeah. But it's not really what I remember Stranger Things being like. Um, but, you know, I've got to watch a few more episodes before right. I can make a final judgment. <laughs> and that's Stranger Things on Netflix. And Stranger Things on Netflix. <laughs> Do you have anything else? I'm not really. If anyone out there has listens to us on Spotify, I've been listening to the Summer Throwback, like Algorithm Suggested playlist that one and uh surf rock sunshine i can't remember if i mentioned that one before but it's good you know now that we're into warmer weather it's good listening <laughs> my eyes were moving because i was thinking you know i should probably talk about bayou boogaloo oh yeah uh trisha and i went to new orleans for bayou boogaloo back in 2019 we were down there for a conference, and she looked in the free, uh, you know, entertainment paper, right? And said, "Hey, there's this. Looks like there's this crazy festival going on." We went over there, and they had three stages. It's on Bayou Saint John, and so people would build these crazy boats out of like PVC pipe, mm-hmm. and pallets, and uh, it was just nutty. There were geodesic domes, giant. Oh, spawns. cool! It was all kinds of wild stuff. Yeah, and the music was great. We had a great time. So this year, uh, we decided we'd go down for it. It felt to us like there was a little bit more emphasis on having name acts. So like Squirrel Nut Zippers, who Mm -hmm. people may remember from the songs Hell and The Ghost of Stephen Foster. Mm -hmm. They were there. They were fantastic. It's, um, I think, several of the original guys, the new players. They have a new female singer who's great. Um, And they were just zany and funny as all get out. Um, the guy playing the violin was super dramatic and theatrical, throwing the bow up in the air and <laughs> prancing around, getting down on his back and playing. Oh, wow. And um, the great thing about their music, of course, is it's sort of a neo-swing thing. Yeah. And so there were swing dancers there that is a dance uh, floor set up. And so these people are out there. They're dressed, first of all, in like... Like one gal kind of looked like Rosie the Riveter on her day off. Okay. And the guy with her was all decked out, you know, kind of 40s kind of clothing. And they were just amazing dancers. So Squirrel Nut Zippers, they were great. There was a Indian American group from Brooklyn, Red Barat. A very danceable uh, music drawn from their heritage. But man, you just wanted to, you know, bob your head and dance around. They were great. Some New Orleans acts like um, Big Chief, Monk Boudreau, and the Golden Light, I think was that guy's name. He was one of the Mardi Gras Indians. And the Mardi Gras Indians, that's a complicated deal where basically African-Americans kind of dressed up like Indians. Like um, native people. 
Right, like yeah. many people, sorry, and made these elaborate costumes. It was kind of, as I understand it, kind of their way of co-opting some of the Mardi Gras stuff okay, and making it their own. Right. And so they had this, the Mardi Gras Indians is what they're called. They had these very, music that's very drum, mm-hmm. rhythmic bass, chanting. And these guys were great. The leader was in his 80s. And then his grandson was also in the group. Yeah. They're up there in these elaborate feathered and beater, beaded costumes. And I'm like sweating in my t-shirt and shorts. So I can only imagine what it was like for them. <laughs> But then, like, uh, Annie DeFranco closed out one night, um, sort of punk feminist uh, singer-songwriter. Yeah. I should like her. Didn't really do anything for me. Um, Sonny Landreth, who's a blues guy, closed out another night. He was okay. Yeah. You know? uh, wouldn't burn for him, as we say. O'Connor <laughs> one of my favorite things was they had the this little small floating stage. And they had the brass bands from New Orleans play there. Yeah. And these are usually young guys um, and they'll play Dixieland jazz, but then they'll also play like uh, Beyonce. I mean, anything they they want to play and they can make it into a brass band song. They will. And the people were dancing to this. Oh, my gosh. Saw some just fantastic dancing. Yeah. So that was by Boogaloo. It was great. And we also went on Sunday night to Tipitina's. I will include a link to the guy's Cajun man. I can't think of his name at the moment. I mispronounced it if I did. Mm-hmm. But it was great. And we recognized his fiddle player from a female folk trio called the Malvinas, which Trisha has liked for a long time. I got out there and did my Cajun dancing. And, <laughs> uh, it was pretty awful, but no one laughed. So there you go. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, are we? how are we doing on time? We're almost out. We're almost out of time. Okay. So, Kate, how can people find us? People can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Papaholics Podcast, uh, on Twitter at Papaholics. And then um, we keep saying we are going to like respond to the emails that we've been sent about recommendations. We are, we will. We'll get to it. <laughs> Actually... Yeah, go on because then I'm gonna I am gonna respond to one of them. Yeah, so if you if you have recommendations for anything, send us an email to papaholicspodcast at gmail.com. So one of the things when we were in New Orleans, we we're at an Airbnb and it was hot and humid as all get out, high eighties and and stuff. I think it was ninety uh one day. And so in the afternoons, a lot of times we would be at the Airbnb. He had Paramount Plus. Okay. okay? Uh, I watched Strange New Worlds, which is the uh, latest Star Trek series. Features Christopher Pike as the as the head of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a young Uhura. Okay. And, and Spock is in it as well. Okay. And um, I felt very, very much like the original Star Trek. Felt like it had a lot of heart. Yeah. And, and stuff in addition to the all the sci-fi adventure stuff. So I, I really liked it. I'd like to see more of it. Janice DePaula Lance had told us about a show called Ghosts, which is on CBS uh, as a network show, but then it's also available on Paramount Plus. Okay. Premises that this young woman, it's a sitcom. This young woman inherits this um, old house mm-hmm. and she doesn't realize that there are ghosts from all these different eras there. Okay. Okay. And then she, she can falls, has an accident, Uh-oh. and now she can she and only she can see them. And so yeah. there's like a guy who, uh, uh, um, you know, colonial officer who's upset about Hamilton getting all the all the claim. <laughs> and there's uh, uh, like a 
a Viking guy okay. who wants to crush everybody. There's a woman who was like a hippie that um, she was kind of having a free love drug trip and tried to hug a bear. That's how she died. Okay. Uh, and just a whole bunch of different interesting ghosts. It's fun. It's a fun show. Janice said that we should check out the Brit- original British version, which we had I, we have not done yet, but I okay. can do it because we did like we did like the sitcom ghosts. So, yeah. yeah, I like I like the idea that that it's all ghosts from different time periods because that's not usually explored. I feel like it's one one ghost like per house or whatever, and then you know it's never like. Um, it's never lighthearted. <laughs> and so, and so their interactions yeah. are fun. And, and one of the things is when they, this couple, young couple, you know, goes down in the base basement to try to fix like the hot water heat mm-hmm. or something. Okay. And, um, they turn on the light. It'll show them standing in like this basically bare basement. Right. But then they're surrounded by these victims of cholera. And, and, but the victims of cholera are kind of nice. They'll go like the guys trying, the young guys trying to fix the the hot water heater or, mm-hmm. heat or whatever it is. And they're going, no, no, it, it turned to the turn to the lot. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's ghosts. Uh, Paramount Plus says CBS. So I think that's it. Anything yeah. else, Kate? Nope. We got that all that in in a half hour, folks. Wild efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> But did you hear that? Resident kid expert went, wow. <laughs> All right. For Papaholics, I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Go out and enjoy pop culture. Bye. Bye.